You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. So, for three, four months, sort of during the first summer, I guess the summer of 2014, I just pretended that I was Nick Cave while I was playing live. Because, you know, Nick Cave is the coolest cat out there. And Nick Cave is, doesn't, doesn't think if someone is looking at him weirdly, he doesn't give a fuck. He's fucking Nick Cave. So I just thought, I'm not going to be the shy kid, you know, just, you know, jumping into a new form of living. I'm just going to pretend I'm Nick Cave. So I don't, didn't give a fuck. Hey, what's up, Vox and Hops heads? I'm Matt, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, brought to you by Sound Talent Media, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians to talk about their lives, music, and craft beer. Welcome to Vox and Hops's Sober February. That's right, for one whole month, all of the Vox and Hops episodes, which I will be releasing, features content structured around sobriety, whether it be artists who are sober, craft beer breweries that produce non-alcoholic products. I have a sober coach coming up, and I also have a doctor who has a PhD and a master's in nutritional sciences, where we discuss the exact effects of what happens when alcohol enters our body. I am very excited about Sober February, and I hope that you are too. This Vox and Hops episode is brought to you by Heavy Montreal. Heavy Montreal is Montreal's premier metal promoter. They normally Normally put on a bunch of amazing shows here when there isn't a global pandemic crippling the music industry. But not only that, they also put on one of North America's best metal festivals, and that is the absolute truth. I am super stoked to have Heavy Montreal behind the Vox and Hops podcast. Before we jump into today's episode, I just want to ask you to subscribe to the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast and also rate it and write a review on the podcast platform your choice because when you do that, more people just like yourself will be able to discover the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast. I also wanted to tell you that I just launched the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast mailing list. You can sign up to the mailing list on my website, voxandhops.com. That is V-O-X-A-N-D-H-O-P-S. Com. And when you do sign up, you shall receive one email a week with all of the details regarding the episodes that I dropped that week, as well as the link so that you can join the Thirsty Thursday gang when I conduct a live interview on the first Thursday of each month. And you will also get the updated links for the Brutal Awakenings playlist, which is curated by Jerry Monk, the metal architect himself. He chooses all of the sickest, newest, most extreme music and puts it all into one place for us to enjoy. Trust me, the Brutal Awakenings playlist is exactly what you want to be listening to. My first guest for Vox and Hops' Sober February is none other than Adelbjorn Trigvashan, the vocalist of Solstafir. Get ready, everyone. This is Vox and Hops episode number 226. I warn you, what you are about to hear is very disturbing indeed. Hey, what's up, everybody? Today, I am with Adel Bjorn Trikvashan of Solstafir. I am super, super stoked to be with you. It is an absolute honor. Uh, how are you doing today, Adel Bjorn? Uh, I'm pretty good. Uh, it's, uh, I've been working a lot. Uh, I'm, 
we're working as a sound guy on a, on a TV series, so we shoot 12 hours a day, and I've been working um, a lot lately, and I have a, a young daughter that I try to see as much as possible, and so being a band guy has been away for a long time. It's I'm not been, I'm not, I haven't been a band guy since February. Yeah, which is where I was headed next, is how did you cope with this glorious year that we were just dealt of 2020? Well... 2020 hasn't been all bad, personally. Uh, it's been full, filled with uh, weird stuff, of course. But we, uh, well, I was scheduled to have a child in April, first child. Uh, we went into the studio and to record our seventh album in, in February. So, and in February, this no one foresaw this shit show of a year. So we did a couple of shows beginning of the year. Uh, we went into the studio recording an album and then sort of come March, it's like, oh, something is happening, bad is happening. People start, you know, washing their hands and no one is wearing masks yet. And uh, it was hard, pretty weird. Uh, having a child, being going to the ho- no one's allowed to the hospital, having a child. So um, the mother of my child, it, there was a home birth, really weird scenario. Um so the album sort of got delayed. We were just in doing studio work, you know, one or two, three guys very slowly. Everything sort of went into slow-mo, but we were constantly working until we sort of delivered the masters in May. Uh, at that time, all the shows were canceled, so I got a day job as a carpenter. So I just went to work at seven o'clock in the morning, came home five, took a shower, went and uh, met my baby girl, came home at 10, sleep every day for three months. So it was not really COVID for me. I was just, you know, waking up at 6.30, bed, 11. Uh, and then obviously I did 70 interviews. And then uh, and even even in beginning of July, our drummer had a child. So wow. this, this year we've had two kids and one album. Yeah, I was going to say congrats on the two babies because an album is basically a baby too. But congrats uh, on your baby girl. Yeah. That's amazing. Uh, a home birth. I actually, both of my children were born right behind me in my bedroom. So so I can... Really? Uh, yeah, yeah. By choice. It's something that uh, we, we definitely enjoyed very, very much. We have a beautiful midwifery service here in, in Quebec, Montreal. And I, I loved the experience. I don't know how it was for you. I, I didn't, you know, it was just almost like a last minute thing. Um it was, uh, you know, I'm sort of beyond words. It's uh, witnessing this stuff because, to put it in a, a mild mode, it's it was basically a, a children's swimming pool in the living room. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, what, what on earth <laughs> is, is going to happen here? There was no doctor there, and it's just, just like you know, uh, what do you commit? What, what do you call mid boy? A midwife, two of them, just for security. So, and then all of a sudden, just, I mean, she was, you know, uh, giving birth, witnessing a woman giving birth. It's just nothing on earth prepares you for that stuff. And then all of a sudden, you have this child there, and it's just, you know, and you don't know. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> I, I completely agree with you guys because the midwives leave and then you're just alone. <laughs> exactly. It's like, it was like, you know, this sounds terrible, but it was almost like a murder scene because, <laughs> because there was a pool, two midwives, 
you know, all this happening, two hours later, it was like no evidence <laughs> exactly. of a birth in there. <laughs> it was like CSI came in, cleaned everything, and left. And I'm like, what? It's amazing. It's amazing. And then just being alone with your child, you know, I, I love it. I love it. I can advocate for it 100% to anyone that's it's, interested yeah, in going down crazy. that path. It's great, crazy stuff. I mean. You also mentioned that you just jumped straight into a day job. Uh, how different was that for you compared to being a touring musician? You know, for myself with Cryptopsy, this is probably the summer that I spent the most time with my family, which is something that's really, really enjoyable. For you, just jumping into a day job, not being on the road, uh, how different was that for you? You know, of course, prior to sort of Soul Stuff being this touring band that's now, I used to have day jobs. You know, I worked at, you know, the Reykjavik airport for many years. I worked hmm. at, you know, TV production. But sort of now... I, I must confess, it's weird because uh, it's you sort of spend years like it's like you know being in the university and studying and studying and uh, and I'm not going to say master, but you're always trying to master the skill of being this band guy that you are sort of artistic thing, you know, being more pro, writing more music. You you sort of you're sort of uh, building some craft here. And when I'm playing a show or festival with 30,000 people or 200 people in South America, you know, I feel like this is it. This is what I love doing. And I'm sometimes, sometimes I'm good at it. I, because I know that I'm good at it because I was never good at school. Uh, I was never good at sports. But I've had some success in this. And I didn't get the success. No one handed it over to me. I fucking worked my ass for it. That's right. And then you sort of turn the knob off and you go to work. Uh, I'm working with guys that hardly speak English. Uh, they have no interest in me, none whatsoever, <laughs> because uh, I'm sort of used to sort of RT, a more RT sort of, I talk a lot. I'm an emotional guy and sort of just nothing. <laughs> just talk about what vodka drinking or some funny YouTube uh, things in the language that I don't understand. And it's just, just I don't know. No job is... I'm not... I'm not too good for the job. It's just... But it's, I didn't feel at home there. And it's like, I don't know, I'm trying not to say it's an ego thing, because ego can be your enemy. Uh, but it's kind of weird being, you know, you're supposed to be James Hetfield sometimes, or this guy or this guy, because, you know, it's sort of it's your job, it's your job description, never be ill, take care of the boys, eat healthy, yep. you know. You cannot be pissed off or sad or angry at stage. You have to be energetic, all this stuff. All of a sudden, you remove that sort of costume and you're just fucking Joe Dirt. Yeah, it's difficult. I, I, I completely agree. And, and, and as opposed to us walking away from it, where we would have no. already hung up that cape, that cloak, that costume, that that part part of our personality. It's been taken from us. It's hard going back because you know I used to do all this job, but I've sort of it's a long time ago now. I mean, I haven't had a steady 
uh, you know, career day job doing the same day job for years in over a decade. Uh, I find it sort of sexy today to have a steady income (laughs) and pay pay taxes, uh, being able to pay my mortgage and feed my child and pay bills. I find that very sexy today, that sort of life. But when you take away my oxygen being music and say, well, I have to breathe through this uh, pipe here now. And they're like, okay, if I have to do to survive, I will, but I don't Mm -hmm. like it. I don't like it at all. You know, I don't smoke anymore. (laughs) No, you're a good boy now, which is wonderful. Vox and Hops is all about hanging out with my metal friends, talking about their lives, music, and normally craft beer. But this is Vox and Hops' sober February. So I'm very stoked to have a chance to chat with you and to talk about sobriety. Uh, what are you drinking on your side there? Present it to the people, and then I will present what I'm drinking with you today, and then we'll dig in. Coffee. Beautiful. Uh, normally, I drink a lot of ginger beer, non-alcoholic ginger beer. But I didn't find it, so I have this shit here. <laughs> Very cool. That's uh, sparkling lemon water, right? Sparkling water. I love that. Yeah. Yeah, that's an absolute... I, this has some sparkling water, and I'm going to be drinking a hop tea. This is a sparkling hop tea with green tea and mosaic hops. So basically, all that's in this is sparkling water, hops, mosaic hops in this situation, and green tea. This is from Hoplark out of uh, Boulder, Colorado. Very cool little thing. Uh, zero alcohol, zero sugar, zero calories. Very cool little thing. Let's dig in. Let's go back to, to 2013, I believe it was, when you hit the wall and just gave up drinking. Talk to me about that. Talk to me about how this day occurred and, and what made you turn the page. Um. Yeah, 2013, uh, uh, you know, it's like the joke is, I was one lie away from not having to quit drinking. Yeah. Only if she would have believed my bullshit that one more time, I would have been safe. Hmm. Um, uh, so it's kind of funny that last time I was uh, drank, uh, it was uh, the last day of November 2013. Uh, there's a band called Skullmull from Iceland. It's this Viking metal band. And yes. they were doing a show with uh, the Icelandic uh, Symphony Orchestra. So it's in sort of the music house, you know, very beautiful big house, like 1,500 people there. Uh, it's a gorgeous, gorgeous venue, yeah. Go- the Harpa, yeah. Gorgeous, yeah. Uh, and I'm there in a chain mail because I had it for a friend of mine and, you know, it was sort of a political thing. It's kind of funny, but... Because when can I wear a chainmail if not singing with a Miking metal band in a, in a <laughs> music building? So I was wearing chainmail, uh, and I was in the uh, sort of grand pianist he- uh, room because you know the uh, sort of uh, the uh, post musicians get their own room. Sort of the conductor gets his own backstage room. I was in the grand pianist backstage room. I was basically doing co- cocaine lines on the Steinway. Really? Okay. Drinking Jim Beam, because that's what you do when you're in a chainmail singing with the symphony. <laughs> and sort of off I went, doing my three minutes of uh, fame. Uh, it was fun. Uh, and then, of course, I just went to the bar and got shit-faced and had an affair with my, you know, had an affair and 
some girl that I've never seen before and never seen after that. Um, but apparently she told some friend of hers and that girl uh, knew my girlfriend. Shit. So I got busted. Um, so, but of course, uh, this wasn't really the only stuff that I've done bad, but it was just it's the last drop. Hmm. So I got busted. Uh, and of course, uh, I sort of, but at that moment, trying to lie my way out of that, the dam cracked. And of course, I, you know, it comes me crying, saying, I'll do anything, please forgive me, all that crap. Uh, and I, I didn't have anything, so I just, I'll quit drinking, you know, that's what people say in these circumstances. I had never thought about quitting drinking. Uh, but so, I, uh, I, I checked some friends and, you know, what can you do? Uh, you know, there's, you know, any programs you can do and I did that and basically to showing to my girlfriend at the time that I was willing to do, you know, things. That, but of course, you know, she left. I've been sober seven years. <laughs> I heard that you moved in to the studio and you guys were just about to start recording an album. Yeah, yeah. this was all basically happened on 1st of December, 2013. Uh, we had booked the studio for recording Oath album. And we were there for two months. Uh, so I basically moved out of my house, broke up with my girlfriend, quit drinking, and moved into the studio for two months on the same day. Wow. Uh, I think I chained smoked cigarettes because I was down to 66 kilos. Jesus. Two okay. months. And I feel 191 centimeters. I don't recommend being 66 kilos. So. <laughs> and how? Uh, what, what was the biggest struggle? What went during those two months writing an album, being around your bandmates? You know, I've been in situations with, where band members are down, and and it's it's hard. It's hard on the whole dynamic of the band. What, what how was it for you? What was some of the hardest struggles? It's a, uh, I don't know really, and sort of the band was not on speaking terms. Sort of wow, okay, uh, and you know. Uh, not everyone was friends at that time. So it wasn't like we quit hanging out or, but we had a lot of touring left to do. So uh, our bass player, Slavar, he had been sober for six years, okay, okay. some years before, and of course fell off the wagon. So he sort of understood what I was going through. So I got support from him. Uh, I don't know, really. it's just, I quit drinking, uh, Schwauer sort of followed again, me, so, uh, and off we went touring, and we just toured our ass off, uh, but it was a little bit, when you walk on stage, uh, being sort of sober, because I don't, you don't understand what it means really, until you're there. If, if you tell, told me 10 years ago that some guy was played a show sober, I was like, what? So fucking what? He just didn't drink before it. But it, it, it's, a, it's a wider term. It's a bigger spectrum. So sort of, I was very shy because it's very easy to do a show because you don't start from it. You don't start your career doing lines of blow and whiskey, but sort of it escalates very slowly. So at the point of 2012, you know, 2012, 13, 
we are doing drugs and drinking bourbon before the show and a lot of during the show. And it's sort of, the gig is like that. Uh, first three, four months, it was really weird just drinking water before the show and during the show. It was absurd. It's, it's a, we get into these like rituals. Yeah. Where we sort of, we almost need these things before even getting on stage. You feel like the show won't happen or like there's these, you know, you think that it's, it's the show's cursed if you don't do these rituals beforehand. I don't know how that, if it was like that. It, it's, it's, it's just two things. It sort of, it takes the edge off the nerves, sort of a little bit, but it's basically like tranquilizer that you pee off like a beer. Uh, and then it's the mood. It's, you know, rock and roll, man. Yeah. Yeah, man. You know, it's all this stuff. So, um, so for three, four months, sort of during the first summer, I guess the summer of 2014, I just pretended that I was Nick Cave while I was playing live because, you know, Nick Cave is the coolest cat out there. He did. <laughs> and Nick Cave is, doesn't, doesn't think if someone is looking at him weirdly, he doesn't give a fuck. He's fucking Nick Cave. So I just thought, I'm not going to be the shy kid, you know, just, you know, jumping into a new form of living. I'm just going to pretend I'm Nick Cave. So I don't, didn't give a fuck. That's very, very interesting. But how much of a personality, how much of, you know, drugs and alcohol were a part of your personality beforehand? Like when you would go out on tour, were there people that come out to party with you because you were that guy? Uh, that's so weird. Uh, sure. Some cities, yeah, you know, brain starts. Sure. We would go to London. Certain people would show up. Paris, Berlin. Yeah. Uh, of course, you know, uh, when you do drugs, certain uh, type of drugs, you attract different people. And now when I don't do them, they don't find me as sexy as before. That's where I was headed. Was was how was that those first tour back? It was kind of weird. Yeah, it was kind of weird. I remember being in Slovenia doing a festival called Metal Days. Yeah, and I think it was the same in Baltimore. Just I remember these two festivals in Baltimore, uh, playing uh, Maryland Death Fest. Uh, being backstage with some guys that I've been doing drugs with and they were like chopping lines in, you know, during the daytime. And, hey man, have some. I'm like, ah, don't do it anymore. What? Why would you quit that? What's, what happened, man? What's wrong? Like I caught a disease or something. <laughs> and then I'm like, I don't know. I just don't do it anymore. And like, why? You sure? How about just one? <laughs> so you know it's uh, it's funny but when you become the guy that they know that doesn't drink you sort of join uh, a sort of weird club when when they're hammered drunk they come over to you like hey man I think I'm an alcoholic too man really I'll quit later <laughs> yeah <laughs> I'll join you, but not tonight. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. So, you know. That's also headed where I was going is, uh, (laughs) what would be your advice for people that do think that they have a problem with drugs and alcohol? What would be something that you could say to them that you wish you heard back in the day? Or is there something that you can, you know, you have to be ready to listen, I think. I just didn't know what it was. I uh, thought alcoholism was just for homeless guys that were drinking sort of moonshine or sort of hmm. some from from the movies or some stuff you know uh, don't know really what it is and because alcohol wasn't really my thing that sort of buried me it was the drugs with alcohol but alcohol is just as much as a drug or I feel like any other I mean you know, this is a political debate. Is marijuana a drug? Mm. Uh, is alcohol a drug? Which is more diff- dangerous, weed or booze? I mean, come on, it's just it's political stuff. So, um, uh, so you know, it's, uh, it wasn't really that that sort of uh, uh, killed me. Um, I I don't know. It's uh, you have to you have to shit your pants. And live through the stents until the skin gets burned. Then maybe you say, I don't like this. If it's still fun and you're not spending all your money on drugs and booze, you can, you know, it's, you can still pay your rent. You haven't crashed your car. You have still you have got your driving license. You haven't spent a lot of time in jail. Your girlfriend hasn't left you. And you can still see your kids and... You, you know, you have a good relationship with your parents, you know, then fucking A, man, carry on. <laughs> that wasn't the case, in, you know, in my situation. So what, what are some of the biggest positive things that have occurred since you stopped? Have a child. Which is amazing, yeah. Wow. Well, so, uh, and I have a child and I don't have to think um be ashamed that I'm too hungover. She'll get on my nerves. I have to do something else. I have to hang with the guys. I'm done with it. You know, there's so many stuff that I'm, I'm done with it. I mean, not in a negative way. I just, I don't find it sexy. You know, to people ask me, hey man, do you go to bars? Like, you know, hang out with the guys. I'm like, fuck no, man. Why would I go to a bar? hang out with who? your friends no I will go and eat with my friends or go snowboarding or play music or it's yeah you'll you'll realize who your friends are mm-hmm. and who your drinking buddies are mm-hmm. it's two different things absolutely absolutely how did it affect the, the vibe backstage when you guys were touring um, how did it change the tour bus antics did you have to put down some rules first I remember first thing I did while after quit drinking I sent my manager an email you have to take the one liter of bourbon whiskey off the rider. Mm-hmm. And that was like, I'm going to the moon by myself. <laughs> Bizarre shit. Because, you know, I, me, like today, I've been so, I'm sober now. Me being the poster boy for sobriety and, you know, and, you know, healthy living, come on, man. <laughs> 
you can't be you can't be better than some, someone else. But because I don't feel like that, I'm someone might think I am, but maybe I am. But uh, not that much changes. I mean, they're still goofing around uh, backstage constantly. It's like a fucking circus that doesn't change. The biggest thing that changes is that uh, you see your ho- when you're doing festivals, uh, you see the hotel rooms. Because normally you would check in, you would go to a party, leave the party to go to the fucking van to go to the airport. That's correct. <laughs> yes, that's what you do. Yeah. Now, after the show, I've stashed candy, <laughs> chocolate in my hotel room. <laughs> And I'll sneak from the venue when I pack my guitar. I'll take, hey, can you get us a shuttle? It's kind of early. I kind of just just now. And I go to the hotel. I enjoy every second of clean sheets in the hotel room, eating chocolate, watching Netflix, and waking up for breakfast by yourself, which is amazing. Yeah. <laughs> and normally, no one is there. Exactly. So, you know. yeah. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> That's what I call a fucking luxury. I love it. <laughs> hey, what's up, Vox and Hopsheads? I just want to take a little moment about Cryptopsy's upcoming tours. That's right, I'm talking about the Scream of Perseverance tour and our headliner dates that coincide with that tour called As Summer Burns. The Scream of Perseverance tour is kicking off at the end of May and runs all the way until the end of June. We are supporting the mighty death to all. We are going all over the United States and we are hitting some of Canada. So excited to be honoring the legendary music of death alongside amazing musicians that performed on these albums. Even more stoked to be doing some headliner dates in some cities that I've actually never played in. If you are planning to come to any of these shows, you should definitely grab your tickets by going to voxandhops.com slash summer and you will be able to grab all of your tickets there. That's voxandhops.com slash summer. Do it, people. Come hang out with me. Enjoy life, metal, and craft beer in your hometown. Come to a show. We're going to have a great time. Now, enough about all of that. Let's get back to the episode. Let's talk about the Icelandic music scene. Uh, it's it's so special because I know I've been there. I've played, I played uh, Reykjavik Death Fest in the Gokovin. I believe that's the venue's name. Am I right with that? Uh, yes, it is. The small, the smallish bar upstairs. It was really fun. Uh, shout out to all the people that organized that. Excellent, excellent humans. Um, let, talk to me about growing up playing music in Iceland. What was that scene like, and why are there so many amazing bands from there? Um. You know, because I get that because of Montreal. I get that question all the time. So I'm curious of what the secret is everywhere. It's a, it's a funny question because being from Iceland or in remote place, you sort of get that uh, question. Uh, I don't know, really. Uh, if I did, I would write a book and make <laughs> money. Uh, but it's a few things. I mean, uh, the worst... Uh, I've told this, said this before. Uh, I was watching... Dave Grohl did this uh, Sonic Highways yep. TV series. Have you seen that? Yeah. I have, yes. And he was doing all the cities in America. It's really cool shit. And then he's in Seattle. And he's talking about Seattle. And some some guy was saying, oh, Seattle was never really on the touring map. It was far away. It was shitty weather. And in the middle of fucking nowhere. So no bands came there. So something just started crumbling. Hmm. You know. 
some life form of entities they started crumpling and was sort of uncontaminated unpolluted by any sort of other sort of coming uh, anyone coming close to it and that sort of i was like that's like iceland i mean it's in the middle of fucking nowhere it was never on the touring maps <laughs> it wasn't like london copenhagen berlin paris new york los angeles no so i mean led zeppelin came in 1970 kiss came in 88 iron maiden in 91 metallica in 2014 i mean i, I can go on but not much happened but so in the 80s there was no punk clubs, no indie clubs, no sort of, it was just some music club and you would have all the punk bands, new wave, indie, rock, you know, hard rock prior to heavy metal. And out of that sort of comes one band called the Sugar Cubes. It's just, if you don't know, some people don't know, it's the band that Björk used to be in. <laughs> so Sugar Cubes was the first band to sort of escape iceland and it came from some new wave new wave bands and punk bands sort of uh and they sort of were really weird band so they were the first band but it's sort of like inbreed influences they were just playing for each other friends playing for each other uh knowing that no one dreaming about success no one dreaming about labels no one dreaming about radio play selling record nothing so it's just purely for the love of it. Some innocence. And Seguros, yeah. same. They pop up. No one likes Seguros, just some weirdos. <laughs> you know, they were, you know, for the first, like, they, they formed one year before us, so they formed in 94. So the first six years, they're just some weirdos in Iceland. I mean, uh, I'll get this video comes out in 2000. So it's like, uh, same with us. I mean, we were playing with pop bands, hardcore bands, you, indie bands, death metal, you name it. No clubs in our scenes, just some, you know, it's a, so you get influenced by a lot of spectrum hmm. of music. Uh, it's like death metal bands sometimes ask me today, I've had these questions a few times, and the, the conversation is like, hey man, you're in a successful band, uh, Got any advice? And I'm like, okay, so what kind of music do you have? Death metal. <laughs> and don't get me wrong, I love death metal. I'm like, okay, that's kind of hard because standing out, being a death metal band, I mean, what are you going to do? Are you going to growl deeper than Corpse Grinder? Or are you going to be more faster than this drummer? Or shut down tuning guitar? It's kind of hard to stand out if you only play death metal. And that's why I'm more into sort of old school death metal than sort of Olympic fast death metal <laughs> of today. Uh, so it's, you know, you have to stick out and sort of, but I think these bands that stuck out, they didn't mean to, it's just, it's an accident. It's a, uh, you, you can't buy that shit. No, I don't it's think just, so either. It's a, for, it's a force of nature. It's like, I can't order how the weather's going to be tomorrow. No, it's it's a pure no. circumstances and just having a product that hits home, you know, having some music that hits home. Shout out to yeah, yeah, yeah. Cult of Lilith, which is a Icelandic death yeah. metal band that did hit the mark this year. They're they're in, very impressive. They're the release that came out. And uh, I know a lot of people are talking about it. So shout out to them. Absolutely. Let's talk about this new record. Endless Twilight of Codependent Love, which dropped 
in 2020. Uh, how, what was the whole thought process of doing a pandemic release? Was there ever a thought of to holding on to it and not releasing it? Um, not really. I mean, uh, I, I got this question a few times. Why are you releasing an album now in the pandemic when you can't touring? You can't tour. Uh, we never thought about not releasing it because the question was always, if we don't release it now, when are we going to release it? What's the time frame we're waiting for? Are we going to wait till the end of 2020 now? That's, you know, we know now that's not going to happen. Are we going to wait for first quarter of 2021? Makes no sense. Makes no sense. So are you going to cancel art completely or are you going to delay it? How long are you going to delay it? Mm-hmm. So I'd rather just release the album. Uh, I did, like I said, I did 70 interviews just in August alone. So the band, uh, you know, the album gets its release, digital digital release. Uh, of course, we're not going to go on the road selling merch and physical copies, but people still listen to music. Absolutely. I'm still doing interviews, so it's, you know, you can't really cancel. That's what, how I look at it. You can't really cancel. We need art and culture more now than ever. At least, you know, people can't go to museums and stuff like that you can listen to music that's why that, that's how i look at it uh, you've been doing sound uh, working for tv shows and you you're going to be working for a movie coming up in january i believe so 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 tell me all about that and tell me about this is something i was concerned about i love movie i love tv i was concerned that you're talking about art dying that because of the pandemic we would eventually get to a day where there's nothing new coming so so i'm excited to hear about you still working in it all this is kind of interesting because it's a netflix uh, tv series very cool uh, so it's coming out on Netflix. So it's a sort of house production, you know, outside of Iceland and sort of the Ministry of uh, Arts made an exception for us to work under really strict, you know, regulations. Uh, I have, we have masks, oh, you know, 24-7 at work. Uh, we have, uh, we cannot c- come close to any catering stuff without, you know, latex gloves uh, we have sort of we're heat tested every day uh, you know I work 12 hours a day doing sound wow. for his, uh, TV shows uh, and a lot of TV uh, and movie stuff globally has stopped this has never stopped we stopped we started this uh, this project it's a six-month project, so we started it in first of September. It's done end of maybe into February. I'm not sure. So no one has gotten sick on set. Wonderful. Twice, some have someone has come close to one, and everybody's been sort of been, what's happening? Is someone getting sick? But no, it's uh, we sort of escaped it. So it's but then again, having a job now that's actually fun. I'm just truly, truly grateful. Mm, that's, it's closer to your roots, though, the artistic side of yourself. Yeah, I mean, I, I, did go to, uh, I did go to Glasgow to study sound engineering in 2007. So 
No, that's amazing. Addy, thank you so, so much for taking the time, having a chat with me, uh, being super frank and honest. I, I greatly, greatly appreciate that. And I hope that anybody listening uh, that needs to, to open up and, and to close the page on drinking and doing drugs, that if this chat helps them, then I'm happy that we had it. So thank you so much, Addy. Cheers. Thank you. Thank you, Matt. Thank you. Hey, thank you all so, so much for listening right to the end. You know that I love and appreciate that. What an epic conversation. I cannot thank Eddie enough for being so honest, so open. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode as much as I did. And I must say, if any of you that are listening to this right now are in need of help and are thinking that they need to re-examine their relationship with uh, addiction, whether it be with alcohol or drugs, seek the help that you need. There is no shame in asking for help and going to get the support that you need. You will only come out of it better and stronger, just as Addie did when he put all of that behind him. If you enjoyed this episode of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast... You should absolutely go and subscribe to it on the podcast platform of your choice. But not only that, you should take the time to rate it and write a review because when you do that, more people just like yourself will be able to discover the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast. Don't forget that I just launched the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast's mailing list. You should sign up to that right now on my website, which is voxandhops.com. That is V-O-X-A-N-D-H-O-P-S.com. And when you do that, you will receive one email a week with all of the details concerning the episodes that I dropped that week so that you never miss an episode, as well as the updated links to any upcoming Thirsty Thursday Live interviews and the brand new links to the Brutal Awakenings playlist, which is curated by my man, Jerry Monk, the metal architect himself. Coming up this Thursday, we have this month's live Vox and Hops interview, which is happening with Keith Wampler, the vocalist of the Convalescence. This is, of course, happening at the Thirsty Thursday Virtual Hang, which happens on Thursdays at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. If you would like the link to join this hang so that you can be a part of this interview, all you need to do is join the Vox and Hops Thirsty Thursday Gang Facebook group, and the link will be provided to you there. Vox and Hops is brought to you by Sound Talent Media. I have one more episode coming out this Friday, but until then, remember to enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. Cheers, Vox and Hops heads. Ever wonder what a punch from Elton John feels like? Or how you'd cope with having turned down the chance to be in Nirvana? Or what signal Keith Richards gives when he wants you to get the hell out of his hotel room? Fans of Too Much Effing Perspective don't have to wonder, because they've heard these exact stories and a jillion others on our podcast. I'm Alex Hoffman, former tour manager for Radiohead. And I'm musician and comedy writer Alan Keller. On the TMEP show, we get guests like Nancy Wilson from Heart, Jeremiah Freights from the Lumineers, and Modern Family's Julie Bowen to tell us things they may have only shared with their therapist, clergy, or a TMZ stringer. So join us on Too Much Effing Perspective. That's E-F-F-I-N-G Perspective. The only podcast you crank up to 11. <laughs>